Hey, you're listening to Data Plus Love. I'm your host, Zach Bowders, and with me today is a really special gentleman. So um, he is a Tableau ambassador. He's a Tableau Zen master. He is a co-host of Sports Fizz Sunday. Uh, he's a friend from work. Uh, he is very streamlined, and I assume he can swim very fast or, or run quicker because of that. He's Simon Beaumont. Simon, how are you today? Zach, that's an intro and a half. Thank you, sir. Very well. Hey, everyone. So um, I, I've wanted to have Simon on for a while, but seeing as I joined uh, the same company as him uh, almost a year ago, uh, I wanted to wait for it for a little bit to avoid accusations of nepotism um, because Simon, uh, you know, Simon's a pretty big, pretty big deal at work. And uh, I didn't want uh, people to be like, oh, now it's just going to be like the JLL podcast. So somehow I, I've entirely avoided having anyone from work on, which might have been a strategic error, but now I've got Simon. So it's exciting to have someone on that, that, um, we both have a shared friendship we've had for years, as well as we've got a working relationship. And uh, so, Simon, what what do you do at JLL? And I'm asking both as the host of this, as well as someone who's entirely befuddled to what your job is. What do I do? Uh, so technically, I'm a BI director for one of our accounts. Uh, so lead about 15 people doing data architecture, data governance, data visualization. Of course, the highlight of my week is getting to spend it with you, um, honestly. Uh, but no, uh, we get to work some rock stars, so Neil Richards, uh, Justin Davis, obviously the famous Zach Bowders, Alex Jones, Adam Green, Francisco Cardoza, I could go on. But um, part of my role is also to enable a community and support everyone in JLL to be the best they can be with data yet to be able to implement the uh, no high chart rule, um, especially for baby ch baby shark visits, but you know, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, my role is to try and make people as best as they can and lead the team that I'm directly responsible for. I mean, I think that's really exciting. Like I've, I've told people before, and I think I told Paul this, Paul was asking me if I had uh, interest in management at some point. Um, and I told him, you know, not really. I have an interest in mentorship. Like, I feel like I'm a really great individual contributor and I've got a lot that I bring to the table there. And I'm also good at helping people develop their skills and to sort of help them on their journey. But like shifting career tracks entirely and just being a, a manager of people would probably be a, be a misstep for me. It would be uh, me shifting away from the stuff I am most competent at and most successful in elevating others. And that's one of my biggest joys. Like I have some people outside of our division, actually, that I mentor. And just to see them grow over the past years I've worked with them, I found to be really exciting. So I, I always enjoy that kind of thing. And it's exciting to me that that's a, such a big part of, uh, of your job as well. Yeah, and I, I won't deny I learned a lot from Paul Benoob, um, people in the early days of the tablet community when I was first leading people kind of found my own way um but like you i just some people say managing's an art to be honest it's just about having conversations and about treating people with respect and hoping that they treat you in the same way so for me when i come into work my primary job is my people um yeah i love tableau i love all tricks but my focus is them um, and i think if you keep that ingrained in who you are and what you do every day you can't go far wrong um You'll have the odd conversation that you want to forget and you'll make a mistake of, but hey, we all make mistakes. So just live with it, learn and move on. That's a pretty decent pitch. You know, you're uh, you're swaying me. But um, Simon, uh, if we had a knife fight, who would win? Uh, you seen the haircut? What haircut? 
<laughs> yeah, precisely. Uh, I, I, I would like to say that's going for the kind of the hard, um, hard fought street look, but no, I, I, I think I, I've seen the picture of you on your Twitter profile of the um, the glasses and the look. It's there's definitely one person that can pull off a superhero or a villain, and I, I reckon he's sat on the other side of the Atlantic right now um, in the US. See, I, I look at you and I look, you have long arms and I think range is a big deal in that kind of situation. I am, however, like people don't expect this from me. I'm a bit squirrely. And um, do you know who Danny Trejo is, the actor? He's he's a he's a large Mexican gentleman. He's like 6'2". He's got a deep gravelly voice. He played Machete in the Robert Rodriguez movies and stuff. He's basically known for being large and really scary. And he was in the movie Con Air. So Con Air is full of, you know, it's the Nicolas Cage movie. It's an absurd concept. He goes to jail for uh, beating someone up in a bar fight and ends up with the most hardened criminals on earth. And Danny Trejo. Favorite, one of my favorite films, I've got to say, of all time. I'm sorry for anyone that thinks it's awful, but one of my favorite. It's Look, it's delightful garbage. I actually just bought it on uh, Google Play Movies for $5 earlier today. It's a great deal. But, um, I thought you were going to say it was on the DVD then. I was going to get worried. No, come on. But, uh, but, Danny Trejo was interviewed during that movie asking, like, who of the different people you've starred with this in this movie, this movie, do you find the most scary? And he said, John Cusack. And everyone's like, John Cusack. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, like you look in his eyes. He's got something scary in his eyes. And it's like, I I, I love that about John Cusack. And um, but with my new Twitter picture of me in my supervillain chair, I found in Key West. Um, I, I, I feel like I want to channel some of that John Cusack eye craziness yeah. in, in our hypothetical knife fight. I can make a recommendation. Just get a white cat that you can stroke on your lap and it will probably finish off the um, image quite well. You know, it's uh, Austin Powers is what people think of. And everyone just didn't realize that was a knockoff of Blofeld from the Bond movies. It's a, it was like 50 years between the two movies. So no one remembered that. And then they bring back Blofeld as Christoph Waltz years later. Anyway, we're getting in the bushes here. Um, I want to talk about Sports of his Sunday. And I want to talk about this for a couple of reasons. One, I want to make fun of you. Um, that, not not the project, you specifically. Uh, two, I did my first one um, the other week. And it was in part due to a foolish, um, foolish gesture on my part where I asked the community, hey, I don't have any ideas. What should I do? And everyone knowing I don't care about sports asked me to do sports. Um, I'm so I, remember I might have been one of the people that replied, and I think you appreciated it to every ounce of the word that I wrote. You were, yeah, yeah, you were, in, you were in the mix, uh, as long as along with Kevin Flurlidge and a bunch, and uh, probably Luke Stanky, a bunch of people, people like troll me. Um, but I, I, I wanted to bring up, you recently won a Viz of the Day for one of your Sports Viz Sundays, and it's a uh, teams of the U.S. Summer Olympic Games. So I, I watched the stuff you put out. You know, you're pretty prolific, and I saw that you had won Viz of the Day. And I'm laughing at this because you had the same response to me about a month earlier. So I'm like, oh, wow, Simon got visit of the day. And I'm, I'm opening it, expecting it to be one of the other visits I've seen recently. I think specifically, I was looking for perhaps your uh, Division I lacrosse champions or maybe your Manchester United visualization. But it was the teams, Team USA at the Olympic Games viz, um, which is not your most exciting work that you've put out recently that you got visit of the day for instead of the ones that I thought were so much more exciting. So I had to rib you a little bit, much in the same way as about a month ago, I got a visit of the day and it was for one of my data dump visits, which I do my quick little one-offs and I did one on all the actors who had played Batman 
And I got visit of the day for that instead of my far more interesting and uh, and clever uh, Disney princess trauma showing all the Disney princesses who have lost parents. Uh, so what does it feel like to get visit of the day on a viz that you personally don't like as much as some of your other stuff? I can't imagine what element of the viz that you might be referring to, but you know, the heat map and the pie charts may not have been the most out there when it comes to technical design. Uh, I mean, I'll, let's face it, any time you get visit of the day in the Tableau community, it's, it is an honor. Um, I will be honest, I wasn't expecting it for that one. It may have been because I did Tableau a favor and built it in 20 minutes for a webinar that they did to promote the, um, the Salesforce sponsorship of Team USA. So, you know, if that carries favor, then guilty as charged. Um, but yeah, any, any visit of the day is hopefully it inspires people. Hopefully people look at it and they go, oh, I didn't know you could do that. So for instance, part of the background isn't actually a, it's a Gantt chart, which creates the illusion of a heat map. So there, there's some stuff in there that maybe is a redeeming quality, but yeah, I, I'm just grateful for any time you get it. Um, I, to be honest, going slightly aside from visit of the day, Tableau Public's what I love. It's kind of, that's what really got the hook in Tableau for me. Um, I started rolling out of work before life, before JLL, believe it or not. It seems a lifetime ago. Um, but I rolled out in the NHS, but it wasn't really until I found Tableau Public and sports. And I think one of my first few visits were sports visits on Tableau Public. And I kind of felt I'd found a sweet spot, or at least it's the bit I enjoyed. Um, so yeah, for me, anything I do on Tableau Public, I do it because I enjoy it. I don't do it for a visit of the day. I don't do it for the, the views and the favorites. We can't all be Kev that's got like thousands of followers and automatically gets millions of views. You know, some people are just not that good. Um, but I do it because I love it. I do it because I've got a four-year-old child, so I can't sit on the PlayStation and play FIFA anymore. So do visit at night, puts a smile on my face. And if that gets recognized, then hey, win-win. I'm right there with you. And I see that you have 187 visits out there in your public portfolio right now, which is incredibly prolific. I've got a little bit less than that. Um, but I think you and I are both coming from a pretty similar place when we do public data visualizations. Like, <clears throat> like we have our, you know, our work product that we work on. You're obviously on a larger account than me and you've got people under you that you manage. And while you may still occasionally uh, dip your hand in directly and have a, a stake in creating creation of a dashboard, uh, my day-to-day -day is a lot more, you know, direct creation of that. But you, you want to get outside of what you do at work and you also want to explore topics that are personal to you or a personal curiosity, or, you know, you're just feeling uh, inspired and want to make a passion project about something. So it's very exciting to be able to have a place out there where you can go and uh, have this personal exploration and journey. And I think I'm speaking for myself here, but I'm probably speaking for you as well. I grew so much personally by doing the personal projects, like beyond what I was doing at work. So at work, I had some very close friends, particularly at my, my previous job. I'd worked there 13 years. Like I worked with David Kelly every day long, and he and I grew a lot from interaction with each other. Like we would each try something new and then we would teach it to the other person. And it was sort of this like this uh, daily one-upsmanship where we're like, I bet I can do something really cool that would excite him. You know, that sort of thing where you're playing off each other and having a global community of that is like that on a greater scale. Not that we're all in competition with each other because there's not really a prize. There's nothing to win. Like we say that joking about Cal Kev gets more uh, hits than anybody and how he's 
incredibly prolific and widely loved. And that's true. But like uh, there, there's really very little hierarchy in terms of the online community for Tableau data visualization. Like if you go out there, uh, there's people of all different skill levels, all different experience levels interacting with each other and sort of cheerleading each other's work. So it's a very like generous place in that whether you're just starting out or you've been doing this for 10 years and you know, you're a Zen master hall of fame or what have you, there's still a, a really great place for you to sort of slide in and just start doing stuff. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there is no, to be honest, some of the stuff that inspires me most, uh, I mean, Iron Viz has just gone by and geez, some of the top 10 in that, they weren't by the established names of the community. There was some visas out there that just blew me away. Uh, and you're right, I learned a hell of a lot. You could probably invite a million people from the community and a million people would all say, I learned a hell of a lot from community projects. It's just a given. Um, and I, you know, I, I remember getting to see Salmon 187. I remember getting to 100 and I think Sarah Bartlett got to 100 pretty soon. We made a, a joking bet on each other that who can get to 200 first. Uh, I'd probably say that during the pandemic, I've slowed down a bit. Um, because I've realized I just haven't got the energy at the minute to come home from work and viz every single week. So I probably am a bit more picky in terms of where I put my effort into, which is why a lot of it now is sports-based because it, what, it, it, what, it's what gets me out of bed in terms of to find the energy to want to do it. But yeah, it's, it's fun. It also, I think you're spot on. When you're at work, you've got a certain blueprint to work within. You can do some cool stuff. And I'm really fortunate enough to work with some people like Alex and Adam and Francisco who push me every day. But you're still doing it within the confines of a work environment. If I want to try something like, heaven forbid, a radial chart um, or something that is not within the norms, I'll do it for a sporting project because it feels that like I can be creative and I've got a bit, little bit of creative license to try something new without that judgment of, but is there a business insight? And I think it's one of the actual things that I found most interesting about some of the reflections on IronViz. I think sometimes we forget IronViz isn't a business dashboard competition. It's a storytelling competition that's based around design and analytics. And I think I, I witnessed the usual yearly tweets about long form or about oh but it's you've got to scroll hey it's storytelling if people want to use it as that medium they can do and i think that's a bit what i do in my sports business i use it as an excuse to get out of the workplace environment and use tableau as my creative outlet and i think um speaking of both iron viz as well as you know personal projects you get to do something uh, unique with these kinds of projects that you don't get to do with your work product in the sense that very rarely are you working with data in motion on a personal project, unless you're doing like your own Spotify, like data set where, you know, it's going to be constantly updating. I maybe have one or two where I've got stuff hooked into Google sheets to like maybe show hits on my, um, my podcast that you're listening to right now. Um, but most of the time when you're at work, you're not dealing with something that's set in stone. You have to create something that will be able to evolve and still be functional in the future state. So like if they add more types of something or if they introduce new uh, work order numbers or something, whatever, whatever the thing is, you have to be able to adapt to that. But when you are able to cultivate the data set yourself and sort of choose the time frame of data you're going to be looking at, all of a sudden, you know, this is all this will ever be. Yeah. So at that point, 
you know, you can add a, like we see like large text blocks, for example, describing things, which is significantly more difficult to do a data in motion. I mean, you would have to do lots of very creative calculations uh, blended into uh, paragraphs, essentially, to create that. And I know sometimes executives dream of that sort of thing, and maybe there's some software products out there that offer that sort of thing in some capacity, but not without a ton of backend work. Um, so it's you rarely see that in sort of live dashboards just because of the sheer complexity of it. But when you're working on your personal projects with a limited data set where you sort of have the full view of the data at that point, you've got your personal data exploration into it making choices about what chart types to use and sort of what angle to look at things from. Because you can look at the same data set multiple times and find all sorts of different stories occurring with it, depending on how you decide to sort of slice and dice the data. Yeah, and it's, let's face it as well, Tableau does some things really well, and then it doesn't do other things either as well or at all, Spellchecker being one of them. Um, so you kind of, you use the tool in the way that you can get the maximum bang for your buck. And that is also why, you know, I'm fine with if people want to bring in other stuff from other tools to complement Tableau, it can't be everything to anyone. If people, I mean, some of the stuff like Judith does around using design tools, whether it be Figma or Sam Parsons using Illustrator to complement what Tableau can do, it pushes us to the next level. I'm probably going to show my age now, but when I first started in the Tableau community, there was one guy that, from a design point of view, I looked up to more than anyone, and it was Michael Mixon. It's like he was out there with, I mean, that was, believe it or not, before Tableau started doing releases in years, um, there was a product called Tableau version 8, and that's when I started. You couldn't do transparent layers. You couldn't do actions that drove parameters it just didn't exist but yet he was able to design something that just i looked at and i was just like wow uh, and it, i love the fact that today that's still happening but it's doing it in different ways and it's doing it in ways that three or four years ago you could have never dreamt you could do that it was just so alien to us and hopefully in another two years time we'll be looking forward and it will be exactly the same again today i was thinking about that actually like how oftentimes you'll see visits from maybe five years ago and they'll feel dated just because of the limitations of the technology at the time. And I do remember when transparent backgrounds on charts were introduced and how that felt like such a game changer because it was now so much easier to maybe layer charts or to put in a image as the background and that sort of thing, where previously you would have had to have been very creative and perhaps trim an image so it didn't overlap with your charts um, so that uh, so that your uh, interactivity with the, the charts would still be functional. So yeah, it's really uh, fascinating just to see stuff that people were very, very proud of a few years ago that took incredible amounts of effort can now be accomplished uh, much more effortlessly. So I'd love to see the look on someone's face that if they open up a viz from about five years ago and they see a background image behind a chart and they go, oh, well, that must just be an image behind it. And you open it up. No, it was a background map that was a custom image that was overlaid with points to make it look like a background image. It's just like... It genuinely, I don't think you appreciate back then just how much people pushed the project, uh, the product, to do what it wasn't natively designed to do, but people pushed it. And I think the reason they pushed it was because of Tableau Public, because people could see what they were doing. You, there is no one on this earth you'd have ever done it at work. Um, I'm sorry, but I still refuse to use map layers at work 
to overlay different chart types because I'm like, maybe one in a hundred is going to get to know how to build it, but it's going to really screw up the team if we need to be able to govern it and do it forward. But when you see some of the stuff that the guys are doing, like Adam McCann, you can just, within a week of the product going live, all of a sudden you can see map layers isn't just for geographical mapping, it's for charts overlaid and labeling. And I mean, when I did the man, you mentioned the Manchester United Viz for Sports Viz Sunday. I worked with CJ on that. And that was one of my favorite collaborations because he's a Man United fan. I forgive him with every ounce of my energy and being. Um, he can't be perfect. But what he can do is, I mean, we looked at that data, we knew the story he wanted to tell. And I remember giving him a design and then about a day or two later, he came back and was like, there, there was me kind of proud of my five layered sheets and well, it looks good. And there was him going, yeah, but you can do it in one sheet. And it just, it just demonstrated like, I don't, I don't care if you're a Zen master, if you're an ambassador, if you're day one in Tableau. There are people out there that know more than you do and everyone can contribute and seeing what CJ did with that viz and where he took it from a technical point of view, it just emphasized to me, it's like everyone brings something to the table. I, I had the good fortune of talking to CJ a couple of weeks ago. I haven't had him on the podcast yet, but we hadn't ever really talked like this before. So we'd had plenty of Twitter interactions. We're you about don't talking. Work with him. You don't work with him though. So what's the excuse? Get him on. Right. Uh, so I barely talk to you when I work with you. I'm joking. But uh, yeah, it's uh, like I, I'm such a big fan and admirer of CJ's work. And I look at the stuff he makes. I'm like, I would never make that. Like partly because I don't want to expend the effort, but also because my brain doesn't work the same way his brain does. And that's what's really exciting about just having so many different people uh, from of different like passions and different backgrounds in the community, because you'll see people coming from all sorts of different directions. Like CJ and uh, and Sam Parsons, for example, doing all sorts of curvy, bendy, weird stuff. They really enjoy that. Uh, you have people like Judith Becker. That was a, te that was a technical definition. Yeah, the curvy, bendy, weird stuff. Right. I think <laughs> I, I think I got that from Steve Wexler. And uh, and then you've got like Judith Becker, who's the master of incorporating other imagery into a, into data in in a seamless artistic fashion. And you've got like Autumn Batani, who is like making her own art. And blending yeah. that into the dashboard itself. And then you've got people, you know, there, there's a whole new class of people. And a lot of them are coming out of the data school that are creating really amazing world-class business dashboards as their hobbies, which is, is far away from what I would like to do in my spare time. But when I see one, I am so inspired by it because I'm like, well, first of all, I can steal that and use that at work. But, but second, I'm like, I, I appreciate Aura or Pradeep, who's going to be um, an iron, uh, an iron uh, viz this year. Like Pradeep has been a finalist in that so many times. And his passion, if you look at his portfolio, Pradeep Kumar is creating like really amazing business dashboards that look stylish and slick and beautiful, but also have high levels of functionality to them. And it's really cool to see that there's, there's all sorts of people doing different things and that it's not like one single uh, voice coming out of the community. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at a lot, I love the different stories you get out of the top 10 this year of Ironbiz. It's like you've got Sam, who's Zen master and has wowed us for probably the last two or three years in terms of just seeing his growth and journey. But you're right, Padeep, it's like, that viz for me, it was as close to design perfection as you can get in terms of every element of it. I know people joke at work about the red pen in terms of when I do a viz review and 
God forbid, fees even more, more extreme in terms of she's got such an attention to detail. But I could have gone through that with a red pen in terms of that viz. I couldn't have found anything. The level of attention to detail was phenomenal. And Sam should be so proud, he should be so proud. And then you've got Lisa. And it's like you just read Lisa's and you hear her story and you see what she's been able to achieve in such a short space of time. I could never have dreamt of doing that. And there's just so many things that just, whether it be, as you said, people doing business dashboards in their own time, whether it be Judith doing overlay. I mean, the stuff that Mark's been able to, Mark Bagman's been able to support with real world fake data. It doesn't need to always be Makeover Monday or Sports Viz Sunday or Project Health Viz. There's, there's something in there for everyone. And I genuinely think it that came through this year in terms of, for, I was honoured to be a final round Iron Viz judge. The thing that really came through for me was just how diverse the background of all the entrants were for the people that reached the final 10. I love the fact that you couldn't, I would imagine if you had started that and you'd put money on who was on the final 10, everyone would have probably lost because there were genuine some people out there that just came and shocked us of, wow, that person can do that. And I just think fair play to them. That, that's the whole purpose of it. I had the good fortune, uh, Sarah Bartlett um, set up a sort of Iron Viz review committee. So um, there were a bunch of us that sort of, we knew we weren't planning on entering this year and also weren't tapped to be judges or anything. Um, so uh, there was a group of people of all different skill levels that were like, hey, I'd like to offer up my services. If you would like to book 15 minutes to work sitting down with me and someone else, I want to review them. So I did a bunch of sessions with uh, like me and Jackie Moore, and I think Sarah was in a couple of them too. But it's really exciting to just be able to sit down with people sort of as they're sort of crafting these passion projects, because this year's, you know, um, objective was to do something you love. Right. So uh, all the topics being covered were personal in some way. Right. So whether it was like Buffy oh, the Vampire Slayer or uh, Premier League Soccer or what have you. But it's really exciting oh, a, for me. What an awesome topic, by the way, right now, with everything that we've gone through in the last 18 months, it's like. Fair play for putting some joy in people's lives and not making it serious. It was so needed that. One hundred percent. It was so needed, and it, it's like it's such a good time for healing, right? Because everyone, regardless of where you've been over the past eighteen months, has experienced some form of trauma. So yeah. we're all trying to work through this globally as a community. So sort of taking the things that are most important to people and bringing us all back together. And it was so cool to see that there were people entering that were like, I, I had never heard of before. They're really new, but people of all different skill levels just going for it. And regardless of whether you've been doing this two months and you feel like you actually have a shot, just in participating in the exercise, they are going to learn a lot. And uh, that's one of the best things about it. I mean, I did my first Iron Viz entry last year. And so at this point, the only one I've done, I've done some Iron Quests. But I, for me, it was like a 35-hour experience. And I learned a ton of stuff because I did things I had never tried before because I really wanted to sort of pour myself into it and get really into the topic. And I did like a super long form that I'd never done before, uh, which was felt really risky because I didn't have a, the best plan up front. But yeah, it, it's, it's a great exercise. And at, for you, someone that actually made it to the show last year so. It was uh, you, Christian Felix, and Alex Jones. So we had two JLL people in there. And after uh, you and Alex brought disgrace to JLL by by neither of you bringing it home, uh, what was your experience like at Iron Viz? Like, what what was it like? First of all, you know, you you made it to the feeder. You know, you obviously finished in the top three. 
What was it like when you found out you were in the top three? And like, what was your experience like after that? So I found out, I'll never forget, I woke up one morning and woke up to an email. Um, and I was just like, oh. And it was kind of, when that initial, I think when I'd found out, I can believe it. Because honestly, you compare yourself, I always do. Whenever I enter Iron Fizz, I almost, I always compare myself against other visits. And you can't help it. And I think you always find, I think they talk about that curve of kind of when you're building a viz, you love it and then you hate it and then you come to accept it. I think by the time you finish something you've been working on for months, you kind of accept it. But then you look at others and you're like, I wish I'd have done that. And damn, then that was good. And you, you kind of envy the... I mean, I, I looked at Chimides in the uh, Viz in the final when he got to the top 10. It's like, geez, that is good. Um, and I think when I did it, I wasn't, I felt I'd done a good Viz, but I didn't necessarily know whether I was going to get in the top three. So to get it, first off, you get that shock. And then for the next two weeks, I think you're in this surreal bubble of, I mean, just first off, when it gets announced, your phone goes crazy. And I, I was genuinely touched by just how many good wishes were given and how many congratulations and how many people reached out to say it. And that, that was a real highlight for me. Forget being on stage and having that virtual experience, just seeing the, how it made people feel and how people were pleased for what I was going through. That, was a, that really genuinely meant a lot. And then you get the data. And that's when the fear starts and especially because tableau for some reason i blame andy cockrey he must have he must have some inner devil in him where they give you a data set that you have no idea about so i think i had um, a co2 emissions i will be honest i didn't work out an angle where i could link that into sports so for me that was so far out of my comfort zone and I think I spent about three days just going through, oh, it'd be cool if I could do this. No, it wouldn't, because you can't do that with a day to your fall. And I think I repeated that cycle until I just ended up having to shake myself. I was like, do what you're doing on Makeover Monday. Just keep it simple. Explore the data and, for God's sake, find something before you run out of time and look a complete fool on stage and make a pie chart and stop. And that was the hardest bit for me, was just accepting of, I can't be an expert in the data, so I'm going to have to go with my inner analyst and find something. And I think once I had overcome that sense of fear and just accepted it's another data set, go with it, I had to find a story I could tell and go with it. And as soon, I'll be honest, in the final, as soon as I saw Christian, I mean, Alex, I thought, did an amazing job. It, to do that with polygons and shapes, fair play. I knew he would do something cool, and he certainly pushed the envelope. But I will be honest, as soon as I saw Christian's viz, I hated him uh, because I knew he was going to win instantly because it just had that instant wow factor, and he did something in that bottom right-hand corner with forecasting and modelling that was just like, yeah, fair play. That took it to the next level. Um, and I think the thing for me with the Iron Fist journey for me is I got to know Christian. Obviously, I know Alex really well anyway because I work with him. 
but I got to know Christian. That for me was one of my highlights because the guy is an absolute legend. And even to this day, I'm really pleased for him that he won. He'd still, every time I'm on a call with him, he makes sure the trophy is right behind his head looking at me. But I'm still happy for him. It's like Kevin Flerlidge uh, polishing his vizies as he talks to you. Let me ask you this. Um, if... <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't got he hasn't got enough showers to be able to put them on anymore. I mean, thankfully, you know, he doesn't he doesn't qualify anymore, so he gives the rest of them the chance. They they had to institute an Eddie the Eagle style rule to prevent the Vizes from basically being renamed the Kevies. Um, because he was taking in categories that like didn't even make sense anymore. Like it's like best rookie, like Kevin Fleurlich sweeps it. It's like he's been doing this three years, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was getting funny. Um let me ask you this. If you were to give some advice to the three finalists for this year's Iron Viz. So we have a Tableau conference coming up in three months. Um, I, I did this past week have a tweet saying I wasn't the most excited for it because I'm kind of burned out in virtual conferences. I'm hoping to be proved wrong. But having said that, for the three Iron Viz contestants, because that's the show, right? Like that's that's the the wow factor of the conference. What piece of advice would you, as a as a prior contestant, give them? Don't think about winning it. Um, enjoy it, and don't put yourself under the pressure of comparing. I mean, God, if I had compared myself against previous years, I would have looked at visits that Lindsay did, and just got. I can never have dreamt of doing the cut and paste trick of the calculations. It's like, don't compare yourself with other people because if you do, you'll just be paralyzed by the respect and admiration you've got for what people have done before. Just be true to yourself. And hey, if you win, massive congratulations. If you don't know that you are only one of three people that's gone on that virtual stage that year and know that without you being there, Tableau wouldn't have had a show. So just enjoy it. Be proud of yourself. And that's kind of what you live and breathe in every visit you do, isn't it? You don't try and compare yourself and say, I want to be better than that person. You do something that you're proud of that's pushed you and you're proud to put your name on and proud to put it up on Tableau Public. Just because it's I am Viz, live and breathe the same principles. I think that's a great rule for life. I mean, I've, I've said before that one of my big inspirations has been Chantilly Jagernoth. And um, yeah like great, great person to, to want to emulate, but it's like, I could be a C list Chantilly or I could be an A list Zach. And I, there's a certain point in your life where there's going to be lots of people that inspire you and lots of people that do things that excite you. And you're going to want to be like that. But at the end of the day, like, who are you? Like, what are your passions? What are you good at? What, what is, what is your direction? And like, be, be the A list version of you and not the C list version of somebody else. You know, I wouldn't mind being the earliest version of me with hair, but you can't have everything. But yeah, you, you just know that what you've done is the best you can do. And if that results in a biz of the day, even if it's not the best one, sorry, um, if it results in you being an Iron champion, then you've earned it because you've been true to yourself. I, I honestly think you can tell at times when people are trying to achieve something with a viz because it's almost like a tick box of it's got this, it's got that, it's got the latest fad or some of the best fizzes are ones that come completely out of the blue and you just open up and I, I always enjoy just searching through Twitter of an evening and just seeing fizzes that come up and I'll open one up and it, some of the best ones for me are when it's like, A, 
I wasn't aware of the person that much, or B, I wasn't aware of the topic that much, or C, it uses a technique or a design element that I just couldn't ever think of. Those are the ones for me that get my personal viz of the day because they're the ones that inspire me. Yeah, I think for me, the things that excite me most is when I see someone put themselves into the story. Like there, yeah. there's some re, there's some tangible relation to what they're covering to them, uh, or alternatively, find a way to put you in the story. So, I, I use the example. I had one viz that I know I is I probably consider it to be my best viz because, like, sort of baby, breaking baby through. Shark. <laughs> baby shark, definitely. Uh, that went viral on Reddit. That's how you know it's good. Uh, <laughs> but um, like breaking through to civilians with a data visualization. I, I feel like is one of my lifelong goals and it's one of the hardest to accomplish, right? Because it, when you're trying to choose an audience and play to that audience, it's difficult. So it's it's better to really just be authentic and and build your thing. And so I have one, um, and I think you've seen me cover it several times. It's the sort of baby names data set. Yeah. So the first time I tackled that, I I made a simple chart that's two overlapping area charts and it's the birth rates of two different names that you can choose and compare. And uh, you can choose a uh, male or female because I, I know a female Michael, for example. So you could do male Michael versus female Michael and see the birth rate comparisons. And by having these two overlapping charts, you're able to see the relative popularity of them at different times, when they overlap the most and that sort of thing. And I also took the extra step to make it like a card where you could, you know, using a parameter across the top, say like happy anniversary or something like that. And I consider this my greatest viz because my wife played with it for 45 minutes. And outside of that, it's almost never really had that much interest in what I do. I mean, she celebrates, you know, my accomplishments and is happy for me about the podcast, but she doesn't listen to the show. She doesn't really look at most of the stuff unless I show it to her. And then she's like, oh, that looks cool. But like this one, she actually sat there for 45 minutes playing with it. I'm like, holy cow, I broke through to a civilian. Like, this is magical. Yeah, I mean, you had a, you had a tie to the chair and, I did so from with a matchstick during that 45 minutes. And I was I, I was screaming a lot like uh, Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs. I'm like, <laughs> it clicks on the viz. <laughs> yeah, and you are you are like that. It's like when you and I guess this is one of my it, it's one of my fears about always doing sports visits. Like if you always do something, you get pigeonholed into that. Are you only gonna reach a certain audience because you only reach others and it's one of the challenges we've given ourselves about Sports Fist Sunday this year, last year, and the year before is try to be more inclusive. If you're going to publish a data set where possible, make sure you don't just publish male golfers, publish female golfers as well. Because if you make an effort, it might mean that you get even just a couple of extra people visit about it. But those couple of extra people would have been enticed to because of the fact your data is more diverse. And I do think you're right, it's when you can connect someone that may not have been your traditional audience that I think you know you've done something great. Yeah, I mean, I and I can't think of a better place for us to, to bring this to a close than that. Simon, thanks for coming. Is there anyone or anything you would like to shout out or promote? Not Tableau Wannabe Podcast. Um, no, so I'm <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, I would just give a shout out to everyone that entered Invis this year. Um, honestly, I should be so proud. I would just say, I, I would like to finish by just saying a shout out to two of my data viz heroes. 
Um, Ryan Sleeper um, was the person that I will never forget going to watch his presentation in person at TC and just thinking, geez, that guy knows his stuff. And yet none of his charts were fancy. It is just pure date of his gold in terms of what he does. And also you mentioned him earlier, but Mr. Steve Wexler for me is an inspiration and continues to be. And just people like that, I just, it's what drives me. If I, if I can emulate 10% of what they've done. So yeah, I, I would just like to finish on that. They just say thank you for those two in terms of inspiring me and Mr. Paul Benoob, um for that he did in kind of to go beyond Tableau and, yeah, he's a servo guru, but some of the stuff he does about culture and people, um, I owe a lot to those people. Awesome. Well, Simon, thank you for coming. And for you, the listener, go write the visas. Data Plus Love is recorded and produced by Zach Bowders. Our music track is We Are Legends by Alex Stoner. Hey, you're still here? Um, You're probably waiting for like the next podcast uh, to kick in, probably something better. Um, Thanks for hanging on. Anyway, if you're picking up what we're putting down, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com slash d-a-t-a-p-l-u-s-l-o-v-e. Um, just, you know, drop $3 in our tip bucket. It helps us buy better equipment. It helps us uh, pay for razor blades to keep me from looking like a wolf man. And it keeps uh, Mark's head looking so shiny and beautiful. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll never put anything behind a paywall. And thanks for your patronage. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3, and you can get more if you choose, or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one you won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network.